Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and opportunity that we have tonight to come before you. We pray that you'll please be with us now as we learn uh, from your word. Please help our minds to be alert. Help our hearts to be open to receiving your word, Lord. And let our lives be focused on Christ as we discover your truth to us. Amen. Have you ever had a problem that needed fixing? Every now and then we, have, we experience setbacks in life. We come across problems which are out of our depth. So we often turn to somewhere else for help, don't we? Like, for example, if you've got marriage problems, you go to see a marriage counsellor, don't you? Not your hairdresser. Although some are in the habit of doing that. And they come out better looking, too. If you want help with your tax return, you go and see an accountant, not a taxidermist. If you have legal problems, you go to a lawyer. Of course, you may end up with bigger problems, but at least you'll have a lawyer. <laughs> you can be confident that if you've got a problem that needs fixing, there's always someone out there with that Bob the Builder attitude. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. But in fixing something, there's also the added pressure of time. There's usually a sense of urgency in getting a problem resolved. You wouldn't want your problem to escalate into a, a bigger problem, would you? If I had a hole in my roof, I wouldn't be saying to my friends, Oh, look, it allows more sunshine into my house. No, I'd want to get it fixed before it rains. Or say my wife Leslie was pregnant, which she isn't, by the way. But if she came in and told me that her waters had broken, I wouldn't say to her, oh, just hold on a minute, honey. Wait till the ad break and I'll come to you. Listen, Tim. That's a bit of advice. <laughs> it's a sign for me to drive her straight to hospital. Fortunately, it doesn't take long for us in life to distinguish what's reasonable and what's urgent. But of course there's always the exception to every case, isn't there? There's the person who cares very little about deadlines, the person who likes to procrastinate and neglect the important stuff. They're usually known in society as the typical Aussie bloke. You know, the kind of person who, who would never ask for directions or who would never go see a doctor unless it was life-threatening. The, the kind of guy who sits around thinking, she'll be right. There's no problem that can't fix itself. They give the impression that they don't need help. And if there's a problem, they'll just ignore it and hope that it'll go away. I mean, we might find it amusing because we know that there's someone in our lives like that. Of course, you can't keep putting off your problems again and again, expecting that they'll go away because the consequences can become catastrophic. More often than not, your problems will require urgent attention and they'll need to be fixed by the right people before it's too late. Ever since the beginning, the problem of sin's been a big stumbling block for mankind. It's caused us to be God's enemies. And throughout history, no one's been able to fix this problem that we have with God. But the, the Apostle Paul knows 
where the answer can be found. He knows who the Corinthians can turn to to get them back on track. He tells them to turn back to God pronto and be reconciled to him. He pleads with them to turn from their old, old ways before time runs out. And so Paul begins by writing to the Corinthians. In verse 18, he says, All this is from God. Now, before we move on any bit, any further, let's just work out the, the phrase, all this, it points back to the few verses beforehand, which we learned about last week. Last week, we learned about the transformation that takes place when a new person, uh, when a person becomes a new creation and starts living for Christ. They're people who are compelled by the love of Christ. They live for him and they become a new creation. It's all a part of Paul's ministry tactics. All these things are from God. Paul proclaims the important news about reconciliation. He knows that it came at a great cost for God. Paul reminds his readers that it was achieved through Jesus Christ. Christ died for all, and therefore all died. The sinless Christ who died for the sinful world. And because of that great sacrifice, God no longer counts men's sins against them. The forgiveness of sins means that reconciliation is possible. The forgiveness of sins demonstrates that the, prob that the problem's now been fixed. The solution's been given. The answer's been revealed. What Christ accomplished through the cross has now been passed on to Paul and to others around him. Paul's now entrusted with passing this message on to the Corinthians. Paul confirms that the problems of sin can now be repaired. Read with me what Paul says from verse 18. Verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The problem's been fixed. He personally involves himself in the salvation of his people. God uses his own son, Jesus Christ, to be the agent of rec reconciliation. And he uses the ministry of Paul to pass on that message to the Corinthians. It's a huge ministry which Paul's been entrusted with. It means that Paul takes his job seriously. Paul's ministry was not only to pass on the message, but also represent God in his life. He, he identifies himself as one of Christ's ambassadors. He's called to minister on Christ's behalf as though God were making his appeal through Paul. The apostles' passion and urgency is with restoring people back to God. Being an ambassador for Christ meant the world to Paul. It meant that the gospel was preached. It meant that sinners could be reconciled back to God. It was an important job to fix this problem, to treat people's sin with urgency, because Paul wasn't just fixing people's problems, but he was fixing people's lives. And we can see how he emphasises this 
in verse 20, uh, he says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul sent out his invitation to be reconciled. He appeals to the Corinthians to turn back to God. Nothing could be more important for Paul than for someone to be reconciled back to God. Paul desperately wants the Corinthians to embrace this gift of reconciliation. Because if reconciliation is the plan, then Jesus is the man. Paul says that Jesus was appointed a sacrifice for sin in our place. Even though Jesus was sinless, he identified himself with sin. He suffered the consequence of human sin and was given the death penalty for it by dying on the cross. His life was given as the answer to the problem that we created. This is the reason why Paul embraces reconciliation. This is why Paul rejoices in the fact that those who are in Christ are new creations. Jesus is the fulfilment of God's saving plan to fix the world from sin. And being reconciled back to God comes with an added bonus as well. The result of Jesus' actions means that Paul can be considered righteous in him. It means that God will be accepted by, as the broken sinner and be considered faithful and new creations. Look at verse 21 with me. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul desires for people to acknowledge their sins before God, to know that they've got a problem that needs resolving and to get it resolved ASAP before it becomes too late. That's why he calls himself one of God's fellow workers. He's very dedicated and devoted to God's ministry. <clears throat> he works as God's partner to bring the ministry of reconciliation to all people. It's like Paul's got shares in the company. He wants to be personally involved he wants what's best for God's people. But Paul also fears that his ministry might be in vain. Because what's been written down for so long has now become reality. Paul doesn't want God's message to be lost in their idleness. Paul's serious message of reconciliation isn't to be taken lightly or ignored or put off till later. It needs to be acted upon quickly and without delay. Now is the time to act. Now is the time of God's favour. Paul pleads with the Corinthians that now's the acceptable time for reconciliation. Paul desperately wants the Corinthians to be reconciled to God. He wants them to rededicate their lives to him, to live for God. Salvation has come through Jesus. And the time to turn back to God is now. Look at chapter 6, verse 1 with me. It says this, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, 
Now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. Paul's telling the Corinthians here to seize the day. You know that carpe diem stuff? Except written in Greek, I suppose. (laughs) It's like Paul's saying to them, the time to act is now. So what are you waiting for? God's acted. Christ's work is complete. The problem's been fixed. Get on with fixing your lives now. Salvation is at stake. Paul knows that this matter requires urgent attention. His responsibility is to share this with um, other people. There's no time to lose in telling people about this life-saving news. There's no 30-day trial or your money back when it comes to following Jesus. Reconciliation is a real experience with a real God and it needs to happen ASAP. Being reconciled to God is the first step we need to take in becoming a new creation. It means that all our past problems have been sorted out. The result means that we have a new outlook on life. The problem's been fixed and sin's sin's been dealt with. So what should our response be? Paul would say to us that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ. We need to become a new creation, to be reconciled to God. That's the reality that Paul wants us to wake up to, and he tells it with great urgency. Paul makes a direct and personal plea here in this passage, and he brings a specific challenge to God's people. And I think that there's two types of messages for us here tonight. Firstly, if you haven't received Christ into your life, then Paul says, be reconciled to God. Don't wait or put it off any longer. Turn to God today because now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. This opportunity's not going to last forever. Take advantage of it while you're able to. If you wake up tomorrow morning and find $2 million transferred into your bank account, you can be rest assured that it's some kind of mistake. If you walk down the street and people mistake you for Keanu Reeves, then you can be sure that it's a case of mistaken identity. But knowing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins in our place, and therefore we are regarded as righteous before God. It's not a mistake at all. Christ accomplished for sinners what we could never do for ourselves. Our sins have demanded such a high price for reconciliation. Jesus has provided the only answer to this huge problem of ours. The anticipation's no longer needed in waiting for God to fix this problem. Jesus is the one we turn to because we know that he's the real deal. The plea is to turn back to God and be reconciled. Or secondly, you may be already a Christian. You've already accepted God's offer of reconciliation. Well, Paul's message to you is, don't receive God's grace in vain. Don't be lazy or empty in your faith. 
Don't procrastinate and think that these problems will fix itself. The time to act is now. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Leslie found out that her non-Christian godmother um, has cancer and needs urgent surgery. Now there's a question mark over you know, her life expectancy and uh, how long she's going to live. So, so how, how's Leslie supposed to react to that? Well, she knows that there's an urgency to tell her the gospel. There's an urgency for Leslie to bring this reconciliation message between her godmother and God. It needs to be sorted out quickly before time runs out. Or what about our next-door neighbour who comes from a Buddhist background? The other week, she came up and she asked us more about Jesus. Now, knowing that we're not going to be around the neighbourhood for much longer, how, how important is it for us to tell her the gospel before time runs out? You see, Christ's already provided us the solution. It's our responsibility to pass it on and share it with her before time runs out. Because if we sit around thinking that everything's going to be all right, we'd be kidding ourselves. Sin isn't something that will fix itself. Sin won't go away if we ignore it. We're not like computers, you know, just turn it off and turn it back on again and the problem's fixed. It's a deadly serious uh, problem and it needs a serious solution. Don't put it off any longer. Tell people the solution to their problems. Tell people to be reconciled to God. We want to see people becoming new creations in Christ, don't we? If you found a cure for AIDS, why on earth would you want to keep it to yourself? Or if you, had a, if you found a breakthrough to end world poverty, you'd want to share it with everyone, wouldn't you? Paul's got the solution for sin and he's not afraid to use it. The cure's found in the one who died for all. So that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ. We often show very little urgency when it comes to sharing Christ with others. Maybe we even have our own reconciling to do with others around us. But knowing that there's a solution to people's sin is something that we shouldn't keep to ourselves. We need to share it with others and be excited that we have this solution. Wouldn't it be great if we could share that same passion that Paul had to bring people to Christ? Because we've seen how much it's influenced Paul's ministry. We know how important it was for Paul to say to the Corinthians, be reconciled to God. He knew what it cost, uh, what it cost God to make people righteous in his eyes. Work hard with sharing the gospel with others. For we're all chosen to be ambassadors for Christ. We're all representatives and fellow workers of Jesus. No matter where we are, whether we're at home or uni or uh, school, at uh, work, God's entrusted this message to us. These days, it doesn't take much to be an ambassador. 
you see many international organisations employ you know, high-profile sports stars or movie actors uh, to come and help their cause. And they get given the status of goodwill ambassadors, even though they aren't actually involved with whatever the organisation does. They make a speech here, they sh shake some hands there, they get their free T-shirt. Supporters end up donating money and the profile is increased towards whatever the cause is. Being this kind of ambassador doesn't take much effort. But being an ambassador for God means that there's a responsibility to tell others about the gospel. It means that there's a commitment to want to turn lives around. Lives need to be reconciled and brought back to God. You might think to yourself that you can't find the time or the effort in talking to people. You might feel uncomfortable uh, talking to others, that it's too much effort or you've just got more important things to do. I want you to just think in your mind now back to a time when someone told you about Jesus. Think back to a time when someone took time to talk to you and invited you to church or to youth group or to Bible study or whatever. They came and they shared their faith with you. Those people did their job. And I'm sure we're very grateful to them for doing that. So now it's our turn to pass on that great message. It's our turn to tell people how their sin can be fixed. Why do we tend to sit back and, and think that problems can fix themselves? Rather than getting out there and saying, yes, we can fix the problem. God's already provided the solution. He's orchestrated the whole reconciliation process. He's managed to bring back the world to himself. And it's like reconciliation, written, directed, performed, all by God and established through Jesus. The solution's now accessible to everyone. God knew what it would cost to make us righteous in his eyes. Jesus unselfishly gave up his life for us. He definitely wasn't thinking about himself when he hung up, hung up on that cross as he suffered the death that he didn't deserve. Jesus was busy fixing a problem that we created so that people like us can be reconciled back to God. Let Paul's plea to the Corinthians be our plea here tonight. Start living a new life for Jesus. Recognise the urgency to share this great news with others. Recognise the great need for people to be reconciled back to God. And be committed to getting people's lives back on track. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you are our Lord, that you are in control of all things and that you desire for us to be reconciled back to you. Thank you for reminding us that reconciliation's all from you, that you sent Jesus down to earth to be the solution for our sin. Help us to accept that reconciliation 
if we haven't already done so. Lord, help us to proclaim the gospel to others in our lives. We pray that our lives can be modelled by Christ. So let us no longer ignore the seriousness of sin in our own lives or in the lives of others. Lord, help us to live as new creations in Christ and to serve you in everything that we do. Amen.